Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 616. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember a motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. We are recording. We are presently recording on Monday, Labor Day, and I just got back from Las Vegas. And you know what I saw in Vegas, don't you, sweetie? Uh, casinos. I took um, I took my daughter Cameron to Las Vegas, and we went to see the Harry Styles show. I think concert. we just say Harry Styles. <laughs> it's called the Harry Styles show. <laughs> if Cameron heard that, she would laugh really hard. Don't worry. She won't hear it because she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> it's all good. Um, and I'm a little tired because I had to wake up at 4 a.m. Uh, to get on the airplane that took off at 6. So if I'm sounding a little weird or just disheveled. It's, well, you don't sound weird or disheveled. You're prepping well, it's, people. To- we're three minutes in. Give it a chance, sweetie. How does someone sound disheveled? You're about to find out. Disheveled is an appearance, isn't it? No, you can sound disheveled. You cannot sound disheveled. Here's my report on Las Vegas. Um, There's a lot of bad things that happen in Vegas. Okay. You know, everybody's drunk and everybody's smoking weed and everybody... Everybody? No. Okay. And uh, there's homeless. And it's just, it's Sin City. Right. The flip side of that coin is, I love Vegas. I know. I was going to say, I'm not... I know. Those things, and I love Vegas. I have a love-hate relationship with it. I love going to Vegas with you. I loved, I'd never ta- taken any of my daughters there. That was interesting, you know, uh, anyways. Well, and your the intention was not, like, gambling. The intention was yeah, Harry I Styles I didn't and gamble John Mulaney. a single dollar. Yeah. Um, so Did anyways, you play Kino? No. Oh. No. I tried to teach her without really gambling. But anyways, here's my take on Harry Styles. Okay. I like him a lot. Great. I didn't hear any... I, I, I'm not familiar with much of his music, aside from Watermelon Sugar High and a few other things. Okay. He's not... Uh, this is going to come out bad, but he's not a good dancer. Oh, But he really moves with the music. Like, he's just free. Like, Justin Timberlake is a dancer. Right. And Harry Styles is not. And, um, and I like Justin better, but I, I'm just a big fan of Harry after seeing him. Well, I have heard people say... And again... Rolling Stones fans are going to be like, no, no, no. But I have heard people say he's like a Keith Richards type. He's oh, flamboyant. Really? Mm-hmm. He just, because Keith Richards moves, or not Keith, sorry. Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger. Okay. Sorry, wrong. I was going to say, because Keith just sits there. <laughs> right, and... Wrong person. Wrong, wrong Rolling Stone. Wrong Stone. Oh, wrong Stone. Moment of silence for Charlie Watts. Yeah. Yeah, that was sad. Gosh, they're so, sorry, we're, segue here. Well, hope first of all, moment of silence oh. for Charlie Watts. Okay, thank you. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't understand that you literally wanted that. I I didn't, but I just decided to mess with you. Well, there's a new documentary out about drummers uh, called, your sister told us about Count Me In. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, And I guess there's a ton of praise for Charlie Watts in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Just what a good drummer. He wasn't that he was a jazz drummer, Mm -hmm. so he could do a lot of really unique things. Interesting. Because as a jazz drummer, you have to keep up with where everybody's going or set the tone. Yeah. But what I was going to say is he's a, um, Harry Styles is a Mick Jagger type in that he's kind of, um, the way he moves, he's kind of flamboyant. Um, He wears, he tends to wear a more non-binary outfit. Yeah, he wore this pink, glittery, Uh like, Sleeveless, I have a sleeveless vest. A vest, uh-huh. 
And then he kind of had this feather thing going on. A boa. And he just owns it. He owns it. And that's the other thing. Like Harry, he, I think dancing, I mean, there's traditional good dancers like Michael Jackson and Justin Timberlake and any number of other female and male performers. Um, but he's confident mm-hmm. in how he moves mm-hmm. in the same way I'm confident in how I move mm. on the dance floor. Okay. You've seen me. I have. Yes. I, I'm and it's yes. even a, it's a fake confidence. Yes, you do have a confidence and that you are fine with being on the dance floor. Yes. Okay. All right. I um, agree. So, that's my very random thought about Las Vegas. I'm glad you guys went, and I'm glad she got to see Harry. We like to start out each of our podcasts on a Zen parenting moment. I did not prepare for the Zen parenting moment, so I want you to pick a month between, say, January and May, and I'm going to fast forward to one of them. How about we don't do a Zen parenting moment today? This is why. They're starting again um, this week. Okay. So why don't we just say, if you have not subscribed to Zen parenting moment... Um, please do so okay. because uh, basically what I do is I write an essay um, and it comes out every Tuesday and Friday. Essay is so like schooly. Composition, I write sweetie. something and an idea that's like a few paragraphs that I think can maybe help your support you, um, inspire you, maybe give you a different perspective on something. And it's just an email. Like all you do is put in your email address. It's free. So if you want inspiration for free. Um, so that, so just go to zenparentingradio.com and, and the link is in the show notes, this podcast. And I also want to thank Peg Jividen. Oh, thanks. Peg. Your aunt, my aunt, mm-hmm. our aunt, mm-hmm. she donated to the NAMI walk, oh, which good. happens on September 18th. Mm-hmm. We are 33% of our way to our goal of raising $2,500 for wow. NAMI National Alliance of Mental Illness. I'll be walking, uh, Skyler will be walking. You'll be at a wedding. Uh-huh. Um, if anybody's interested, just click on the link show notes to either donate to the cause or even do a walk from wherever you are because they do them all over the country. Um, and then the last thing, uh, Dr. Alexander Solomon's doing a men living workshop at the end of the month and it's called not tonight, sexual challenges and opportunities and long-term relationships. That's also going to be in the show notes. So if you're a man, if you identify as a man, please sign up for the workshop. Todd, you've got to big time promote that. I just did. Okay. Sorry, I'm acting like we're not on a podcast right now. But also like social networking. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Solomon has a huge following. I know. She says she's going to post it to her Instagram. Oh my us. gosh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I hope you get a lot of people. I hope so too. And I think that it's as a man, I don't talk about sexuality and sexuality and intimacy enough. I do talk about it with some of my friends. Um, but it's it's a taboo topic for most guy conversations. Um, and I think it's such a huge, important thing that gets ignored. So if you're a woman listening to this and there's a man in your life who you think might derive value from it, go to the show notes of this podcast and just sign up. Uh, first, if it's your first experience of men living, it's free. If it's more, if it's beyond your first and you're not a member, you got to pay 30 bucks. So that's it now. You ready? Yeah. So (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about women's rights because, um, when we're recording this episode, it just so happens that last week there was a law passed in Texas um, that uh, keeps women from making a medical decision about their own bodies um, after a six-week point of being pregnant. Not only does it keep them from making that decision, but there is also a bounty put on them, the doctor, or anybody who gave them a ride 
to have a medical procedure six weeks after they find out they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. So this is very important to understand because this um, this decision and also the decision of the, C the Supreme Court to not intervene um, is um, it is another. Oh, I'm trying to not use words that are challenging to people because I don't like to say war on women. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I just throw out misogynistic, all of a sudden everybody stops listening. But let's just say it this way, Todd. Let's say that this will do nothing to help anybody and will actually cause more death and pain. Mm -hmm. Okay, and let me say, let me say why. So this law also doesn't allow for exceptions such as rape or incest. So what that means is if you have a child, a, a, a daughter um, who is raped and she doesn't realize she's pregnant by the time she's six weeks, she will have to carry um, that baby full term. Yep. Okay. So if there is a young child who is being um, um molested, uh, abused, uh, raped by a family member, especially a father, because that's what incest is. Mm -hmm. And of course, doesn't find out she's pregnant because she's a young girl mm -hmm. and doesn't even understand what's happening usually. And she doesn't find out until after six weeks, she will have to carry that baby full term. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just to give you an idea of what's yep. going on here. And then, so those are the sh just pieces of the shocking information. And probably the most important information that I want to share is that as a sex educator myself, um, I know um, for sure that bans on abortion don't work. Um, basically, if you want women to um, have less pregnancy, the best way is to have a combination of comprehensive sex education Okay, and that's actually there is a program, a comprehensive sex education program that every medical association has validated. Um, it is a the way to help children um, as you know from elementary school up understand their body, their emotions, um, their sense of self when it comes to sexuality, which is part of being a human being, and that is something that we know makes an impact. And most states do not make sure that happens. Yep. That's not a a must in most states that there isn't always sex education. And on top of that, um, many schools can just completely opt out of sex education, especially private schools. Okay. So what I tend to do is go into private schools and teach sex education um, if I'm asked. It's, it's like up to the school yeah. to decide. And I go in for two hours, um, sometimes an hour and a half, and that's what the kids get. Yeah. Okay, so even if the school does make a decision, uh, we're going to have Kathy come in. Um, it's an hour and a half of a full, th that's it. Yep. Then I'm out, out, okay? So Sweetie, what, that, that does not, that's not comprehensive to say the least. No, it doesn't even One fit. day doesn't. One day, right. It should, comprehensive sex education means the, thus the word comprehensive, that it's part of their curriculum, that it's ongoing, that mm. there's something every year, that there's a continuation of the conversation, that communication is open. Um, so I said that there's a combination of two things, uh, sex education and then access to free and reliable contraception. So um, a majority of pregnancies among especially young single women in America are unplanned. Yep. Okay. And they, people, when they say that they fear that 
teaching children about contraceptions, and I'm saying children, I'm not saying they will use them, but teaching that these things are available so they know this as they get older and helping teenagers, college students, and and young people have access, They there's this belief that having access promotes some kind of promiscuity. And I love this quote that Nicholas Kristof said. He said, but this fear is a bit like suggesting that umbrellas cause rain. Yeah. I mean, it, it, having access to birth control actually allows people to make decisions for the best interest of their own bodies and the relationship that they're in. And then we don't have this challenge of this unplanned pregnancy, yep. right? So I will say that they're the, the advanced country with the lowest abortion rate is the Netherlands, um, not only they they do allow abortion, but they also provide comprehensive sex education and free planning services for families. And they also, I I write about this in my book because I do this whole thing on sex ed in my book. They have they start with sex ed at four years old. Four years old. And please, you know, people, you know, they're so aghast. Like, how could they? They don't. They they start with the basics. Mm-hmm. This is your body. These are your feelings. Mm-hmm. You are worthy. You. It, it starts when they're four, so they have an understanding of, of and I'm using mind-body. I'm not talking yoga. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that they are connected to their body and their choices. And then from then up, they learn more as yeah. they go along. So not only is the Netherlands offering- We have this idea of what sex ed means. Right. And, and the way that the people from the Netherlands right. do it is completely different. And I'm guessing, because I don't know what the curriculum is- they start slow and work their way up, down, work their way down the path of true, you know, sex ed. And the outcomes go beyond pregnancy challenges or issues. Um, it, they're the uh, teenagers report that uh, t- teenagers and early twenties they report that their first experience with uh, sex was positive. Mm-hmm. The majority of them do. Where in our country, yeah. it's like twenty yeah. percent. Say and and actually, I have to check that statistic. It's just below fifty yeah. percent. Let me say that. Like yeah. I might be exaggerating it. Mm-hmm. I did write it in my book, so I have the actual um, statistic. But it is. We don't teach anything. We don't offer anything. And then we expect that women, because we are the ones who get pregnant. Did mm-hmm. you know that? I am aware of that. Okay. Um, that we should not only deal with the brunt of not having the education and the resources available, but then we should also be shamed and forced to um, give up the rights to our body. Yeah. Okay. So this is the thing, like, you know, we, we could go on and on about the ne- the Netherlands, but they're offering all these things which make their outcomes in their country, you know, vastly different than vastly ours. different than ours. Meanwhile, in our country, not are we not only are we creating these laws like the ones that we were just talking about in Texas, but we also campaign against Planned Parenthood, against Title X clinics. Um, this means that women and girls have less access to contraception. They have less access to cancer screening. They have less access to any kind of birth control that they they could need or want. And so we, and by the way, just on the cancer thing, in this country, we lose a woman every two hours to cervical cancer. And if they had access to pap smears mm-hmm. or just you know a gynecological visit at yep. Planned Parenthood or somewhere where they don't have to, you know, you and I are like paying some bills right now and medical bills are crazy. Yep. And Planned Parenthood offers a solution to that. I remember about 
four or five years ago. No, it's longer ago, maybe because it was before the election. But I remember posting something about being a supporter of Planned Parenthood. And I remember someone that I knew posted underneath, no, we need to close those down. Women can go to other clinics. And I remember thinking, what other clinics? Like, what do you mean? And th- there's clinics everywhere. Okay, what, which clinic are you talking about? Are you talking about a regular doc- doctor's visit? Because that's a whole different thing. Yeah. That, that necessitates insurance. A lot that, of barriers to entry. It, exactly. That necessitates a that for people who are entitled to that, who have a full-time job, who are getting, you know, who have access to medical insurance, you may be like, do what I do, but there's a many, many women and girls who don't have access to that. Yeah. And places like Planned Parenthood and, you know, as I said, Title X clinics, they have then access to what they need to not get in a situation where an abortion is necessary for them. Mm-hmm. So, but instead we go the other way and we, we, you know, we make a ban to harm them and then also take away all the access that they could need to actually have a more positive outcome. And on top of that, Todd, did you know, do you know what would actually solve this problem? And I'm going to, I'm, I'm saying this somewhat tongue in cheek, but kind of not. Vasectomies. Oh, there you go. Why don't men get vasectomies and get them reversed when they're ready to have children? Mm. Yeah, if everybody got a vasectomy, every man, right. then there'd probably be a lot less needs to carry a pregnancy that doesn't want to be carried. And so when a man is finally deemed emotionally ready to have a child, then reverse that procedure. Mm-hmm. Now, for men who are listening or women who feel like that's outlandish, why do you feel that that's outlandish? Mm-hmm. Think about what's being asked of women. Think about what... The suggestion I would, is instead. I would say I got a vasectomy, and I would say probably getting a vasectomy is probably a little bit easier than carrying a baby in your body for 10 months. Well, we went to the Sox game the next day. Yeah. So I went to the Sox game the next day, and nothing else changed. And we have friends who have reversed their vasectomies sure. and have been, you know, that is a real thing. And the thing is, is that men can impregnate women anytime. Mm-hmm. Women really can only get pregnant a couple Two days, days out, of of, out of the month, right? So who's really the challenging yeah. agent here, right? right? Um, and in this ban, by the way, that we're talking about in Texas, men, there's no, like, there's, men aren't going to have any repercussions. Right. Do you know what I mean? Nobody's going to go after them. Well, it's funny. So you guys are kind of catching us in real time because I just told Kathy before we press record um, is I started writing some notes down for a blog that I may or may not publish on the Men Living website. I'm I'm a little apprehensive because, you know, not Why? all because I don't want to think that I'm speaking on behalf of the entire organization. Oh, okay, you mean you don't want to speak on? Be- oh, what do you mean? I mean that. I'm going to give my opinion that is in much agreement with what you're saying. Right. And there's plenty of members and guys that um, are part of this organization that 100% disagree with what I would write. Right. I still, and in this now moment, I still don't know if I'm going to write it. Yeah. I mean, I've already written it. And um, so this, but this is what I wrote in the first paragraph. As a grown as I've grown, I've real. I'll say, I, so just so everybody knows, I grew up Catholic. And whatever I learned when growing up Catholic is what about the rights of the baby that's in the mama's belly? Right. And as I've grown, I realized something so obvious. Women don't get women pregnant. Mm-hmm. We do, and we are being left off the hook. And then we are the very same gender that tell the women 
what they can and cannot do with their body. Correct. For me, it's that simple. I don't pretend to be an expert, and there are always exceptions to the rule, but the very idea that, the, that last Wednesday a group of mostly white men told all women in the state of Texas what they can and cannot do seems archaic to me. I have three daughters, but I would hope that even if I had three sons, I would feel the same way because this is not because of what I want for my three daughters. Rather, it is what I want for human beings, a place at the table to make a decision for what's best for them. I mean, I I appreciate that. I mean, I really do. I think that's and that's the thing is that I think the whole concept of but we need to worry about this person who doesn't have a say. What about the woman who doesn't have a say? We're we're not we're it can be. um, And I know people have their beliefs and such, but it's very convenient to care for something that's not asking anything of you Mm. that there is there is like it, it can be very convenient to say my focus is this unborn child, but they're, they're not asking for anything in that nine months. But then after the baby's born, there is a lot to ask for there, that support for the family, um, support for, um, you know, medical care, support for, uh, making sure that the child has food. How about support but, for single mothers? Well, and all of the above, but there's not a lot of support for those moments. No, there's no, there's... it's just this unborn time. And so this, but another thing Todd to remember is the maternal mortality rate. Um, in the ratio in our country. It's bad. So it's bad. Like we are 56. We are in the same um, section as Romania, uh, Latvia, and the Ukraine. And it's about 20 deaths per 100,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in the Netherlands, which top, there's two. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we also, this life. We're not very good no. at supporting moms through the childbirthing no. process. No, we're not. So, the reason we know we're not very good at it is because more people die than in 55 other countries, even though we have the most advanced medicine correct. out there. Thank you for saying it that way. So 20 deaths per 100,000 live births. And that was that was in 2019, and that's significantly higher than the rate in 2018, which was 17. Mm-hmm. So we're going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So not only are we saying you have to do this, but the mortality of the mother is also yeah. at risk. So... It's just a, I don't feel this, I, you know, there may be people who disagree with me. Of course there are, because that's yeah, what we're talking about here. Um, but to me, as a social worker, as a clinician, as someone who's worked with women my whole life, until you have been with a woman who is making these decisions, until you have been in a hospital who is addressing this as, as medical profession, you know, as medical professionals with a woman, until you have been in this situation yourself, until you have had a family member in this situation, until you have some kind of direct experience, and I don't mean one experience, because a lot of people will throw one experience at me and say, well, I heard this girl did this, this, and this, and that's why I'm against this. I'm talking about being someone who is on the front lines with women every day. Until you have had that experience, you don't know. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. We are talking about situations that you, you're you getting thrown situations that are maybe is a statistical, you know, a 1% of the time happens. But what is really happening? Yeah with women on a daily basis. Like they are, and again, I don't want to go into every single scenario I've been a part of, but women who are devastated, 
that their child is that they have to make this choice because their child is not going to, um, you know, life is not viable, yeah. you know, uh, af- after birth or somebody who I have worked with who was 12 or 13 and was raped. Mm-hmm. And we expect them to have this child. Yeah. We expect them to go forward with that or, um, you know, families that unfortunately that I know that have dealt with incest and they didn't experience pregnancy, but if they did, it it just is unfathomable to me. What I do believe in is let's make the best possible outcomes for all involved, which means let's, instead of put our money, laws, and time behind this archaic law, let's put our money and time and voices behind comprehensive sex education And access to birth control. Yeah, I, it's so simple. We know this research-wise. We know this, and that I'm on board with. Yeah, you and, know. And for those who are not on board with educating our younger people, it's hard, hard for me to understand that perspective. Like, well, it's it's sometimes surrounded in things like innocence and religion. I actually address all this in my book, but it's not ready. So I can't really share much of it yet. But I like there is even in the focus on the family, you know, the conservative mm-hmm. website, even on the front page of that website, when they're talking about sex education, there is a quote that says talking about sexuality with children does not steal their innocence. Yeah. And that's focus on the family. Yeah, that's the conservative organization. Because we have this belief that children are one thing and then all of a sudden they magically become adults. When they show up, they are sexual creatures. Absolutely. This is what human beings are. It's an aspect of who we are. So the better we prepare them and help them understand their body and their minds and we talk about shame and we talk about guilt and we talk about pleasure and we talk about companionship and connection and partnership and trust... We talk about these things, also the plumbing of our body and yeah, how it works. Sure, um, you know that's how we get the outcomes that everybody's looking for. So why don't we look for those kind of outcomes and and let's jump on those solutions. Mm-hmm. And if we did that, I think maybe we could uh, make a difference. Um, I want to share one other paragraph that may or may not go into my blog this Wednesday. Okay. Uh, I've sat in circles of men well over a decade, and the amount of time that we spend on speaking about gender equity is embarrassing. As the executive director of this organization, I need to own my share of this responsibility as I'm in charge of directing the programming and messaging that comes from this organization. And this blog is one small step moving in that direction of making the men that we touch think more deeply about the world that we're co-creating. Our vision is to live in a more harmonious world by deepening connections amongst men. I'm not sure why it is so little of our attention is based on gender equity. We've had many meetings and programs discussing racial equity, yet barely scratched the surface regarding this very important topic. It reminds me that men of color were given the ability to vote in 1870, yet women didn't receive this opportunity until 1920. So what I'm doing in that paragraph is owning the fact that as one of the leaders of this organization, we do a lot of important work, but one of the things, one blind spot that I feel like we're missing is talking about gender equity and obviously a woman's right to choose is a part of that and it's not the only thing you could talk about the pay gap and all that other stuff but um i'm just trying to be a little bit more forthcoming because i think there's a lot of guys out there that just think of this as a women's issue and that and it's because we don't have to deal with it 
Yeah. We we can we can just get off scot free and say, oh, it's I, I can't get pregnant, so this isn't my problem. Do you know, Todd, that they actually came up with a contraceptive, they, a birth control method for men that mm-hmm. they actually it was a pill form, yeah. and the men didn't like the side effects, and yeah. so it never got it never went through the FDA system. Right. But it had significantly less side effects than women's birth control. Yeah. And we we take it. Yeah. You know why? Because we have to. Yeah. Because that's how we protect our body, and that's how we make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. Yeah. So men have options, and this is not. Um, I don't think we need to fight against each other. I think we need to see this as something that affects all of us. It affects our, you know, yes, the human dimension. We're all human beings. Let's take gender out of it for a second. Let's support each other as human beings. And then there's also our, you know sisters and mm-hmm. person we you know care about at work and our daughters and our why why would this be we act as if that people who um get into an a, a situation in their lives where abortion is necessary that there's somebody other than us mm-hmm. that it's like this othering yeah and i rem- you know i just i just don't think people really understand what this means. And obviously they don't because it went into effect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, it's, it's very difficult. Um, and I don't live in Texas. Um, but Todd will tell you that I've had a very, very difficult week as a woman, um, as someone who supports women, as a social worker, as a clinician, as someone who understands what the true impact of this is, that it's not going to help anything. It's just going to hurt women, scare women, um, keep women from getting the services they need. Um, you know, it's, um, I don't know why we don't use research. I just don't know why. There's a lot of things I don't know why. Like, I don't get on Facebook barely at any, barely at all anymore, but I got on this weekend for a short time and there was a lot of women posting about this Texas law. And, you know, I don't post, I'm a voyeur on Facebook if and when I ever get on there, but it's all women. From my perspective, it's mostly women carrying the fight for gender equity. And my question... Well, and it's beyond fight for gender... And I'm I'm saying this to your words because it's too minimal. Owning our bodies, my body, my body. Hmm. So it's not fight for gender equity. It's like we we there are people fighting to not wear a mask because they're saying my life, my body. Mm-hmm. And they're fighting that. And right now, if I was living in Texas, I am being told you don't have ownership of your body. You do not get to choose. But the same people are saying, but I'm not going to wear a mask. Yeah. So the hypocrisy is is really challenging. I mean, it's it makes you feel like like you are not rational and or it's not that it that people are not thinking rationally. Yep. It doesn't make sense. So it's it's more than it's human rights. Women's rights are human, are human rights. rights. Yeah. So it's like it's even more than gender equity, right? Um yeah, I mean that's just the term I used, but of course it is. Yeah. Like I kind of feel like this podcast is like, you know, I was thinking we'd call it women's rights, but maybe human rights. Yeah. You know? Well, my hope is that because there's a lot of men out there that I know disagree with me and that's fine. I want to give you the space to have to disagree with me, but for the men who agree with me, speak up, stand up, do something to better the cause. Right. right. That's what I hope. And I've been the one sitting on the sidelines, so I'm not trying to point fingers, I'm pointing the finger directly at myself. And this podcast and maybe this blog will be one small step in the direction of speaking up so that these 
women don't feel all alone in this in this battle. Yeah, and if you want to fight for something, fight for comprehensive sex education mm-hmm. and fight for access to birth control and services so women can take care of themselves. You fight for those things, you will see a change in the statistics. You will see it. But right now we're trying to shut down all of that plus shut down shut down access to, you know, medical procedures mm-hmm. and saying no, you can't do this. Yeah. Um so you know, I just think it's a time to speak up and it is a time to analyze, think about why we support what we support. And if the true outcome that you want is to have less women in this situation, then let's support what really works. Mm-hmm. That's that's the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate what you're writing, Todd. I hope it, it uh, goes somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I mean... This podcast is one small step, and hopefully I'll write something on Wednesday that, um, you know, because there's part of me that's like, well, you know, <laughs> what am I really risking? Right. I'm risking pissing some people off who I love, who are leaders of this organization, pissing off. Are there people that you would piss off? Like, Well, they don't speak for me. Don't put that, you know, we don't talk about death penalty. We don't talk about gun oh, rights. We don't talk about any of that got stuff. Got it, got it, because it... it it falls under a political yeah, it's spectrum. Yeah, de- it's divisive. Mm-hmm. And let's be inclusive. So that's what I'm struggling with. But this podcast, obviously, I feel much safer to do it on. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what I decide on the blog. But my uh, my hope is that guys out there can um, use their voice because this is not a women's issue. It's a human being's issue. So Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I was just looking at this list again of list of countries by maternal mortality ratio. And num- in number one, and this is good, meaning the less, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it's only two maternal deaths per 100,000 is Poland, Italy, and Norway. Mm, there you go. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. I just think that like, it's just like, you just... You know, it's investigating what's happening there. And then, you know, Netherlands is next. So, yeah, they're all they're all neighbors. Yeah. So they probably have the most amount of comprehensive education. So I want to read one quote as we're leaving this conversation. Okay. You know, um, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing, for those of you who were like, why is this such a big deal that she's passed away? This experience that we just had this week mm-hmm. is why. And again, everybody knows it was a big deal, but people are like, why are you so scared? Mm-hmm. And it's because we knew when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away that yeah. we didn't have somebody there to fight for us. Yeah. So the de- this is her quote. The decision whether or not to bear a child is central to a woman's life, to her well-being and dignity. It is a decision she must make for herself. When the government controls that decision for her, she is being treated as less than a full adult human responsible for her own choices. So, Ruth yeah. Bader Ginsburg. So, anyway. Didn't you have a roomy thing you want to share? I is did. That, is that- I did. So, everybody, I um, got... Where's my phone? I got this, uh, you know, as you guys might know, if you listen, we have this uh, calendar in our bathroom and it's all this like Zen wisdom Mm -hmm. and it's, it's all sorts of quotes. It's not just focused specifically on Zen, but there was a roomy quote that popped up the other day and I just loved it. And it said, today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down the dulcimer. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Never heard that word. The dulcimer is like, it's an instrument. It's like a guitar or oh, a mandolin. Okay. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Hmm. So 
I love this quote. We have a, I have a big thing in my, um, in our mudroom that says, let the beauty we love be what we do. My aunt gave it to me and I love it. And it's obviously part of this roomy quote, but I love all the language around it too, because unfortunately, I think as human beings, I'll just speak for myself. I do wake up many days frightened and empty, <laughs> like where, and then what I end up doing is I end up like scrolling my phone and looking for an article that makes me feel better or an email that makes me feel worthy, or it's not always that obvious. Like sometimes I'm, it's not even conscious. It's yep. not like I wake up and I think I feel empty. I, I don't think that thought, but what am I scrolling looking for? Yeah. Right. And what I loved about this quote is, is it's like today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. There's something about Rumi. Think about when Rumi was alive and that all humans have been feeling this forever. Mm -hmm. We wake up feeling this way, but he's saying, don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Like, don't, don't like dig into that. Instead, pull down your instrument, start noticing the beauty in the world, and do something that feeds your soul mm -hmm. because we have a limited time here. You know, let the beauty... We love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground, which by definition is to have appreciation for our experiences. And it doesn't mean that we're not human and that we don't have challenges. Um, of course we do. But in the midst of that, can we also recognize that we have this moment? We have this time here together. We have this earth walk, as a teacher of ours used to say. We have... Um, even when things are challenging, we're breathing. The, it's beautiful weather in Chicago and has been for a week. Like we just have to pull from those strings. Yeah. And especially when we're going through a hard time yeah. or grieving or in pain or dealing with fires and dealing with, you know, new laws. And it just can be really overwhelming. For sure. So um, I just wanted to leave everyone with that because that really gave me a lift when I read it. Nice. It like changed the way I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to get down my dulcimer. So, sweetie, if tomorrow I get my dulcimer down. Step one, figure out what a dulcimer is. <laughs> Step two, go get a dulcimer. But, but don't cut me off yet. I want to I wanna look at what it is. Dulcimer. Yeah. Well, while you do that, I'm going to talk about Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. So if you need a new kitchen, new basement, paint the house, paint inside the house, paint outside the house, build a deck, it doesn't matter. He does it all. 630-956-1800, avidcode.net. And then don't forget Team Zen. We're donating 20% of our profits uh, for the month of September to the NAMI walk. So jump in on Team Zen. And um, I guess that's about all I got. Um, I want to hear them say dulcimer. Is this a dulcimer? No, don't don't play that yet. Oh, sorry. It's So Appalachian, I'm from Appalachia. The Appalachian dulcimer is a string instrument of the zither family. Of course it is. It typically has three or four strings and originally played in the Appalachian region of the United States. How the hell did Rumi know about it then? The, bod the body extends the length of the fingerboard. I don't, okay, it's getting a little too difficult No, this for is me. interesting. Keep reading. I'm sorry. It's just an, it's an <laughs> instrument. So if you don't have a dulcimer, get down your guitar, get down your triangle. Yeah, I play a mean triangle. I, you know, get your drum set. There we go. Uh, keep trucking. See you all next Tuesday. Have a good week. Have a good week. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. Hey, looking for more support, exclusive content, and an awesome community of parents? Join Team Zen, where you'll get zero pressure and 100% support. First month's free if you enter the coupon code FRIEND. Go to zenparentingradio.com.
Time is at a premium these days, which is why we're delivering help and hope right to your inbox. Sign up to receive Zen Parenting Moment, a quick read two times a week that helps ground you and remind you of what you already know. Go to zenparentingradio.com to subscribe. A special shout out to the guys or for women who want to share a pretty great opportunity with the men in their lives. Men Living is committed to improving men's lives through connection. Included in our program is a low-pressure, 75-minute weekly virtual gathering for men to give and get support and build friendships. If you want to learn more, you can head to menliving.org. Join us for our other podcast, Pop Culturing, where we take a Gen X view on movies and TV and have fun breaking down key moments and the themes that teach us what it means to be human. And don't forget about our founding partner, Jeremy Craft at avidco.net. He is a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout Chicago and area. His number is 630-956-1800. Thanks for listening, everybody, and keep on trucking.